Welcome to this Moody Baptist Church. I really am glad that you're here with us today. Every Sunday is an opportunity just to have a bit of a chance to reset as we head into our busy weeks. It feels like as life goes on, as activities pile up, as things keep happening, I mean, we're already in the middle of the year, it just seems like there's not as many times to just take a moment to think, to reflect, to slow down. But today is one of those days. As we sang those songs together... As we get to have a look at a message this morning, as we get to chat to one another, this is an opportunity just to take a breath before you head into whatever it is that your week has for you. And my hope and my prayer is that after our time together in this space that you'll feel a little bit more refreshed and ready to face whatever it is you have to face. So in case we haven't met before, my name is Josh, I'm one of the pastors here, and if you are new here to this space, perhaps you've returned to LBC after being away for a while, maybe you're just checking church out for the first time, or you're re-engaging in this space, or, or watching online for the first time, uh, then you've picked a really great time to join us, because uh, what we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks is a series called This Is The Way, and what we're looking at is, how is it that we follow Jesus here and now, and if there's one thing that the church should really be good at, it is this idea of following Jesus. Uh, when Jesus left the earth and he instituted the church, the gathering of people that would take the message on, the whole point was to be people of good news that shared who Jesus was and shared how it is that we get to follow Jesus. So we should be people who are pretty good at it by now. And maybe today or over this series, there will be some opportunities for you to have a look and say, well, what would it look like for me to follow Jesus? Or maybe you might be in a bit of a a stuck space and you might be thinking, hmm, what would it look like for me to re-engage with following Jesus? And if you're an experienced traveler on the road, you've been following Jesus for many years now, then this is a chance to reassess and just see, are all parts of my life really aligned as though Jesus is the hope of the world? So let's get started. On the screen, I want to show you a little guy. It's adorable. Our title is This Is The Way. And the reason it's uh, titled is, is that is because of this guy. Well, technically the show that's from The Mandalorian. This is, uh, this is, what do we call him normally? What's his colloquial name? It's Baby Yoda, right? Um, shock. Um, one, not very young as a baby should be. Two, not Baby Yoda. His name's Groku. He's actually 53 years old. Um, which looking good for a 53-year-old, I'll say that. Um, and he's from the show The Mandalorian. Um, if you want to say, if you know what Yoda looks like, yeah, anyway. Uh, and the show, the show is from The Mandalorian. It's available on Disney Plus. If you do want to go watch it, um, you can you can go and check it out. But the Mandalorians are, are a warrior people. They're not good or bad, but they do have a particular way of doing things. And the whole show gets set off because he's meant to, this Mandalorian character, this, uh, this warrior, he's meant to go and chase down this child and, and kill, or this 53-year-old being, and, and kill it. And then decides not to because they have a particular set of values and things that they do. And they have a way of capturing their values to remind one another of what it is they do and why they do it. And the saying that they say is, this is the way. This is the way. This is the way they say it to remind themselves of the lives they've committed to living. It centers who they are and the values that guide their actions. And you and I sort of understand this whole idea of this is the way because whatever arena of life we find ourselves in, whether it's family, school, work, whether it's with our friendship circles, there's always a way that we do things, right? There's just a way, a culture in the way that we do stuff. There's always a particular way of doing things. And in fact, it's not uncommon to have language in our arenas of life that say, 
this is how we do things here at fill in the blank, right? In your workplace, this is how we do things at work. In your family, you might have phrases as a family where you say, this is how we do things as a family. You might have an action statement. Them, uh, you might even say them a little bit like, as the Thomas family, we are people who, and fill in the blank. We all have cultures and things, and we understand this idea about whatever, whatever setting you find yourself in, there is a way that people operate. There's a culture. There's a, there's a, there's a flow to things. And the good thing is that when we hear or see these expectations in action, it actually helps us understand our role within that space, and we can actually commit and invest fully into those spaces. So what I want to look at over the next three weeks is when it comes to our faith, is there a way to follow? Is there something that could explain how it is that we are meant to live our lives as people who follow Jesus? Or if you're someone sitting on the outside looking in, this is what it looks like for people who say that they follow Jesus. Now, there is a little bit of a tension that I want us to wrestle with and get under over these next three weeks. And if you've been a Jesus follower for a while, what I'm about to say might be a bit of a what do you mean? And if you haven't followed Jesus, or if you're just checking this space out, then hopefully it'll just make a bit of sense of a couple of things. So here's the tension, and it might shed a bit of light as to why people who say they love Jesus don't always act that Jesus light. Here it is. You can be a Christian and not follow the way of Jesus. Just take a second to read that. You can be a Christian and not follow the way of Jesus. What I mean by that is that you can believe in Jesus, you can confess to have beliefs about Jesus, yet that doesn't necessarily translate to following in the patterns and the ways of Jesus in our day-to-day living. One of the reasons as a church we try not to use the word, you know, we're Christians too much, is because we want to use language which activates, which shows an active following of Jesus. We're people who follow Jesus, not just people who believe something about Jesus. And to help give us some context and guide us in this statement and this tension that we've wrestled with, I want us to, to have a look at a scene from the Bible where Jesus talks to four young men and invites them to follow him onto a life-changing journey. So a follower of Jesus called Matthew, when Jesus had gone away, decided, I better write this all down. Because at some point in time, we're going to ask questions. What was Jesus like? What did he say? How did he live? What's the deal? So he wrote down his account. And this is the story that we get about Jesus walking along the Sea of Galilee in, from Matthew's uh, gospel. This is what it says. So as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Which is interesting. Simon called Peter and a brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. I like that phrase. They were casting a net into the lake. For they, were, they weren't just people for a general fish who were there just having a little go at it. These were people who worked as fishermen. Jesus came up and said, Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. So if you think about what's happening here, Jesus is walking along. These two brothers are out there. They're doing their work. And as Jesus approaches them, he says these words, come, follow me. And these guys go, okay, drop what they're doing and go. Right? We'll get back to that in just a second. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, and they were preparing the nets, getting ready, um, either coming in or about to go out. Jesus called them immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. Now think about that again. Jesus sees his two brothers. They're going about their business. They're doing their work. Jesus comes up, says, hey, you two, come, follow me. And they're there with their father and they go, okay, drop that. 
and go. It's a little bit weird, right? It's a little strange. Just to contextualize it for you, um, wherever it is that you find your primary place of work, right? Whether that's, uh, maybe it's on the mines, maybe it's, um, maybe you're an accountant, or maybe you're a teacher, maybe you're a stay-at-home parent, maybe you're an educator, maybe you're a student, wherever it is that's your primary workplace, imagine you're there doing your work, doing what it is that gives you purpose, that pays the bills, that keeps you indoors and eating food, and someone rocks up and says, come, follow me, and you just stop doing your work and just go. Could you do that? I would probably want to ask some clarifying questions first. Uh, who are you? Why do you want us to follow you? Um, I'd be a little bit more like, hmm, I need to know a little bit more context to know what the heck is going on because this guy's walking around asking people, leave your livelihoods and follow me. This sounds weird to us in our perspective because it is a weird thing to do, but for back then, it's not that strange because when we would ask, why are you asking me to follow you? Follow you to what? Back then, they would have known what was happening because culturally, this is something built into their their system. So here's a quick overview of life in the Jewish world 2,000 years ago, and we're going to go back to school, and we're going to have a look at the Jewish system of schooling. So there are three levels to Jewish education, okay? You ready? The first one, Betzefer, is when the Jewish boys are 6 to 10 years old. They go, they learn Torah. So Torah is the first five books of our Bible, Right? They go and they learn all of that, and they just have to get to the point where they can recite it. Okay, So no pressure, young gentlemen, but you've got to get to the point where you're going to stand up, and you're going to start to read, and you're going to, you're going to be able to talk and tell the story of the Torah. Now, at this age, when they got to 10 years old, they would normally go one of two ways. They would either be someone who people went, oh, you've got something special about you. You can keep on studying. Or they looked at you and said, sorry, buddy back to the uh, family tradition. You need to go and become a carpenter or fisherman or whatever it is that your family does as a trade. So if they were lucky enough to go beyond this level of education, they went on to Bet Tamud, which is 10 to 14-year-old boys. Now, these guys would go, they would uh, memorize the books from Joshua to Malachi, and they started to um, develop the art of using questions as an answer, which is a very interesting technique. Jesus did it in his ministry Um, About 29 times we have recorded someone would ask Jesus a question. He would answer with a question. That's just part of how they did their schooling. And if you were good enough at this point and they went, oh, you're really going places, you could keep studying. And you went on to the final level, which was Bet Midrash. Now, this was reserved for boys aged 15 and up who were the best of the best. These were the people who the holy men looked at what they were doing and went, one day you could probably be a rabbi. Now, that wasn't a guarantee. If you got to this point, you would definitely become a rabbi. But what would happen is these people who were really, really good at what they did, these, these boys, they would go and they would learn. And the rabbis or the teachers, they would go and have a look and they would start to ask questions. They would say, hey, you, can you tell me this? Or, hey, you, can I, can I talk to you for a little bit? Let's, let's figure out what's happening here. And if a student was seen as having the potential to one day be a rabbi, the rabbi would then go up and extend the invitation. And the invitation that the rabbi would go and extend to them was, come, follow me. And when they said, follow me, they literally meant, follow me. The, the better word picture, rather than seeing these students as pupils, would be to see these people as apprentices. It was an apprenticeship. It wasn't a come and learn what I think. It was a come and do what I do. So a better way of looking at it is an apprenticeship model. So these apprentices would go and they would literally just do everything exactly as they saw the rabbi, the teacher, doing. 
They would eat how they ate. They would do what they do. They would speak how they speak. They would read what they read. They would get so closely acquainted to the customs and the patterns that they would start to take on the way of living from that rabbi into their own life. So back to the story. When Jesus was walking along as a rabbi, as a teacher, and he invited these men to follow him, they had context. And if you think about it for a second, I think their reaction would be a little bit shocked. I think they would have been really, really unsure what to do at this moment because being a follower of a rabbi, being an apprentice under them, was a really big, massive privilege. You had to go from six years old through to 20s, like 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, to get called into that space. You had to do a lot of study. You had to be a part of that. And the fact that these four brothers were all fishermen means that they didn't make it probably up to Bet Midrash. They probably didn't make it to Bet Tamud. They probably made it to the first one. To bet so far, they would have only made it that first little bit. So they were thinking to themselves, oh, this is sort of a big deal. So Jesus is walking along. And if we were to look at this and rephrase it a little bit, here's another way this, this story unfolds. As Jesus was walking, he saw Peter and Andrew. He said, come follow me. At once they left and followed him. Going from there, he saw James and John. And Jesus said, follow me. And they followed him. That's what happened in the story. If we put the apprentice model in there, this is what it could sound like. As Jesus was walking along, he saw the four people, Peter, James, Andrew, John. And it's almost like, if we look at it this way, he came to them and said, Hey guys, come and follow me. Come and be my apprentices. Come and apprentice under me. Learn to live life as it's meant to be lived. And they followed him and they never looked back because they understood what was happening. Now, as I said, they might have had some doubts. They might have been thinking to themselves, we're just fishermen, we haven't done all the studies. And knowing that, we weren't even knowing we were in contention to be part of this system, right? At this point here, they're fishermen, they're going, my life is set, this is who I am. And Jesus comes along and extends this invitation. They'll be thinking, I didn't even put my name down. I didn't even know this was an opportunity. I could imagine them thinking to themselves, well, you know, Jesus, we didn't really get that far into the training, to be honest. Like, thank you very much, but we didn't, didn't see it all the way through. And I can imagine them sort of thinking to themselves as well, well, Jesus, to be honest, we're just fishermen. We're not holy men, we're just fishermen. Like, why are you coming up to us and choosing us? And Jesus says, yeah, I know all that. Like, I'm aware. I'm aware of who you are. Now come, follow, apprentice under me. Come and live how I live. Do what I do. Read what I read. And leave that old way of living behind you. That's not who you are anymore. What do you think about that? And their response was they put down the nets, they left the boats, they said goodbye to dad and the family business, and they followed him. They followed him. I can imagine them getting around the corner. They've left everything behind. They get around the corner from their old life, and I can imagine them looking at each other going, what now? What have we got ourselves into? What have we signed up for? They had no idea. So what does this mean for us in our lives? When Jesus asked these four fishermen to give up their lives, they knew that them following him was effectively asking them to do something that addressed that tension I mentioned earlier. So that tension uh, that I mentioned earlier is that we can be a Christian without following in the ways of Jesus. And, and the reason that this happens, unfortunately, it's a little bit of the church fault. Uh, the reason this happens is because we've reduced the terms of following Jesus down to this. 
if I believe the right things about God, then I am okay with God. If I believe the right things about God, then I am okay with God. And I just want to be very clear. It's through faith that we have a restored relationship to our Heavenly Father with Jesus. But, the belief, but if that belief doesn't impact the way that we live, then is it something that we truly believe? When Jesus asked the fishermen to follow him, he was giving them a brand new starting point. He was telling them that following me, following Jesus, requires us to order our lives around him. To follow Jesus means to order our lives around the ways of Jesus. One way that this story could have gone, Jesus could have rocked up, seen these four fishermen and said, hey guys, let me tell you about something which you should believe in. Jesus could have done that and said, here, I'm just going to tell you, God loves you. He's going to do something on behalf of you that you can never repay. There's a new way of living that doesn't mean the old way anymore. We've got a new direction. He could have gone and said, let me upgrade your belief set. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus came up to the four fishermen and he says, I'm going to invite you to follow me, but it means you're going to have to leave the old behind and you're going to have to embrace, reorder a new way of living. Jesus did not invite Peter, James, Andrew and John to a new belief of God. He, doesn't, he didn't say, as you remain fisher of, you know, fishing men, fishermen, he didn't say, now you have a new way of viewing God. Jesus invited them, leave behind that. Come and see what life can be like if you follow me. And he invited them to embrace a new way, the Jesus way. The invitation was to apprentice under Jesus and to discover that believing in the name of Jesus is how you become a Christian. It's only when we confess with our mouths and believe with our heart that Jesus is Lord that we are saved. But it's when you follow Jesus, the way of Jesus, that we discover that's how we be a Christian. That's how we be a follower of Jesus. Just thinking that you believe the right things about God, just thinking it's all about what's up here and not ever having it impact your day-to-day rhythms, attitudes, habits and living is going to leave a big void in your life between experiencing what God wants for your life and the life that you have under that way of living. So what does it mean then and what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus? That's what we're going to look at next week when we pick up part two. This is the way. Let me pray. Father God, thank you so much that you give us the example of Jesus. You give us the example of, of these four fishermen, Lord. Thank you so much that we can look at the way that you call us to a new way of living, to leave behind the old and to embrace the new. For those of us, God, who say that we believe in you, but have parts of our lives that have been untouched by your grace and mercy, I pray that you will open those opportunities up to us. For some of us, God, there's parts of our character, parts of our speech, there's parts of how we spend our time, our money, how we relate to key people in our lives that you need to deal with in us. I pray that you'll rise that to the surface over these next couple of weeks. And God, for those of us here who are still new to this or who are looking into this, God, I just pray that people who look in will see a group of committed people not to just believing the right thing, 
but to being part of living the way of Jesus. Give us the boldness to do that and the humility to do it well. In your name and for your glory. Amen.